This is called It's Not Easy Being a Poet. Well, it ain't easy being an audience member either. Welcome to Bend It Like Beckett, as in Samuel Beckett. With me in the studio, I have Sylvia and Marsha. Yeah, what up, people? Hello, Dookie listeners. I understand you both took in the glories of Samuel Beckett at his namesake season, which is taking place at the Barbican here in London Town. How have you guys been getting on? Dookie, I think that Marsha should tell you. Dookie, have you ever seen any Beckett? I have, yes. Yeah, and did it make you want to hack your head off? There's a certain darkness which was a challenge. It made me think It made me think about not really going to see Beckett again in oh, future. Oh, yeah, you, you saw G- G- Godot, however Waiting you... for Godot, yes. Yeah, with uh, some guy, the one from, what is he, Harry Potter or something? Oh, no, Lord of the Rings. So Ian McKellen, yes. Yeah, yeah. And it, did you have to sit in the dark? For this particular production, no. Although it was a very bleak stage set. Marcia wasn't keen on the darkness. Even though I had warned her that it does get... You know, you can't warn people about darkness. Because this does indeed get you know you think darkness and you think so what right Mm. i mean unless you have like an out and out fear that has maybe perhaps been diagnosed by a psychiatrist you you just hear darkness and you don't think that how dark a place can get and that is actually a very strange experience to be sitting in front of a room well not in front of but sitting amongst say 200 strangers and they flick off the emergency exit signs as well in complete blackness it's yeah you're right she did she did warn me and they and they do warn you at the at the show but i didn't realize yeah, like you say, how dark it can get in a place. And, you know, that doesn't bug me too much, except that, you know, there was like 200 other people there. And you start to think, somebody's going to kill me at any minute, and I'm not going to see where it's coming from. You know what I mean? And then you have to kind of reason with yourself, thinking, who is going to see Beckett that's also a murderer, right? Right. And then you just, you know, you don't know where it's coming from. You don't know, you know, somebody could strangle you and nobody else would know. Right? Until the lights came up. I mean, in a way, the theatre is by no means alien to violence. For instance, Abraham Lincoln and John Wilkes Booth. Here's an interesting thing about assassins. Why do they get known by... Their full names, middle names, and all. It 
makes it all sound quite formal. Lee Harvey Oswald, John Wilkes Booth. That is a very good question, Dookie. Mark David Chapman. That is a very good question, and one that I do not have the answer to. Do you say because it makes James him... Earl Ray? Who's that? Didn't James Earl Ray assassinate Martin Luther King? A full name icon himself. I should probably know that, and we should all probably know that. And I, I don't know that. Is it? Is it? Is that the guy? Yes. I wonder whether or not it's the media's attempt to. It makes them more sinister. Because who goes around saying, well, I don't even know your middle name. What is your middle name, Dookie? My middle name is Philip. Okay, so who goes around saying Andy Philip Dookie? I mean, who goes around? See, nobody would be known by that. So it makes people sound more sinister. David Lee Roth. He's quite lovely, I hear. True. I heard him interviewed once on the radio, and he was very, very funny. Very entertaining. And very intelligent. Man, he kills it on stage every time with Van Halen. So, Dookie, it is... Marcia was freaking out a little bit. Her nails were actually digging into my hand because it was really dark. It does get really dark. And the thing about the darkness is, is that it doesn't just go dark. Because, okay, so I should explain. There's three plays. And between each play, there's three minutes of where they you get plunged into blackness. And not only that, but they also play sound effects of like a church bell tolling. Right. I use the word tolling specifically because tolling sounds even more ominous than ringing, does for it not? For whom the bell tolls, yes. it tolls for thee. We're getting into dark Edgar Allan Poe yes. territory there. Yeah, not just that. They don't just have the bell tolling, but they also have... Like this weird wind whistling sound. You know, like when you're in bed sometimes and it's kind of a stormy night and even though you got everything closed, you can, you know, like all the windows and stuff, you can still hear the wind kind of just faintly whistling through the window. You know that sound, Dookie? I know that sound well. And how it's kind of creepy. Mm. They play that on purpose. And all I could do was sit there hanging on to Sylve and thinking, when I, if I end up in purgatory, this is what it's going to be like. This must be what purgatory is like. Which, you know, I'm sure that's the effect old Sammy Boy was going for. But the thing is that even when the woman, because it's like three one-woman plays, and it's the same woman, th- you know, she's really good and, and well done. But w- even when she comes out on stage, it doesn't. they don't shine a big light on her. She's just like barely in any light. It barely. Mm. Like a grayish light. And it's, it's creepy. It is, it, is, it is very dark all the way through. So somebody actually freaked so out dark. and they left. Exactly, but they were sitting in our row and they... Oh, I need to get out of here! No, they, they put on their mobile phone the flashlight oh, that you get right. on your mobile phone so that they could see their way out. And and I didn't get a look at them but because it was so dark, obviously. But the way they left in such haste, like they weren't even caring about being polite. They were just jamming by people's knees. And I did think that I think they're freaking out. That's how. So it's not just our dear Marcia here who wasn't enjoying the darkness very much. But it was, I think somebody actually did have a freak out because it, it is a strange experience. And what's, you know, I didn't understand any of it. I didn't, I didn't, what? 
The last place, she's in a rocking chair and she's just rocking and saying the same thing over and over again. I don't get it. Dookie, what's been the longest hour of your life? The longest hour that I've experienced in terms of taking things in culturally, and no, that's not a euphemism, Edinburgh Fringe Festival. Yeah. The Yellow Wallpaper. That is a story that is is written in the Victorian times. Where is it? Was it? I'm just wondering whether it's the same thing. She gets deemed to be insane. So what they do to her? What they did in the Victorian times with women who they thought were hysterical, and they just locked her in a room and made her not do anything, even though she really, really wanted to do stuff like write and stuff. So her yellow wallpaper starts talking to her, and she does actually go crazy. Is that what happened? Yes. Ah. Well, that's As a shame. As did the audience. Oh, really? Because it's a shame because the story is actually really good. Agreed. Did it go on for like six hours longer than eternity? Oh, my word. I think one hour in bad theatre world is the equivalent of three years. Were you quite traumatised? Because Marcia was quite traumatized. Yeah, I required a drink, yeah. an alcoholic drink yeah. afterwards. Yeah, we got home. I was, yeah, I had to have a vodka. I just, I just don't understand why you want to pay for something that you don't get, you know, and that even if you do get it, I'm thinking that it's pretty much designed to make you feel lousy. Mm. Sylvia, yes. how did you get on with Beckett? With regards to this trilogy, this is the second time that you have seen this same actress do the same thing with the same degrees of darkness. Well, Were you any the wiser this time? Do you feel that you absorb things having had the benefit of hindsight and knowledge and knowing what to expect? Well, no. But, you know, there's the first play, you see nothing about her mouth. So bless this actress. What she does is she just puts on really bright red lipstick. And then I guess they strap her to this big board, right? So that only her mouth is coming through. Right. So they all you do is see her mouth. And she talks really, 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 really fast in a really strong Irish accent for 10 minutes. And I really like that one. It's my favorite one, and I have no idea why. And I think that, and the play is called Not I. And I think the thing about it is that she doesn't say the word I throughout it all. And I think that's really hard to do because we all talk about ourselves, don't we? True. So I enjoyed that, and I think she's a really good actress. And I guess I just enjoy sitting there trying to figure out what it's about. And I'm none the wiser, Dookie. I am none the wiser. You were, I have no idea what any of them are about. You except they're, they're all very bleak. You explored, you didn't find, but you still took a journey. I'm trying to get smarter. Aren't we all? Are you, Dookie? Because you're very smart. Oh. You are very, very smart. And I just think I'm trying to get smarter. And I just think in the trying, you know, just... I guess it makes your brain more uh, stretchy. Like, even if you don't understand it, the trying of it. I I think of the brain like a muscle, right? Mm. So my muscles will never make me like Bradley Wickens or Mo Farah. I will never, ever be like that. But just the working out makes them a bit stronger. So, like, my brain is the same way. So I will never be Einstein. But just the trying to be smarter makes my brain a little bit 
smarter. So in a way, you're building up mental endurance. Yes. So I didn't understand it. And we both needed a drink when we got home. But I did enjoy it. And Martha didn't. But bless her for coming with me. I mean, bless your heart, Martha, for coming with me. Because I know that it was a struggle for you. Yeah, I didn't want her to go on her own. I mean, you know, you don't want to go sit in the dark on your own, do you? And I thought, you know, what the hell? You know, what, you know, it can't hurt me. It was an hour. It's, you know, it's one of the longest hours of my life. But, you know, it was different, right? What was the banter like from the audience afterwards? Well, you know, did people say, oh, that's the best bit of darkness I've ever experienced, both in terms of the lack of illumination as well as the well, material on the stage being explored? Beckett himself would have been pride. Because, because the theatre is near the Guildhall st- School of Stage and Drama, because, so I think there was a lot of acting students there, and I got the feeling that maybe they were there to uh, study this lovely actress's uh, acting style, because she is indeed very talented. So it was a case of keeping up with the thespians. Yes. So, and we didn't actually hear anybody because Marcia made me bolt out of there. Right. Well, we bolted because the thing is the theater was in a in a basement and there was no stairs. So that was kind of, fr- you know, I'm not normally claustrophobic. I don't normally have a problem with these kind of things, but I was thinking, you know, if there's a fire, we're fucked because, uh, because all you got is elevators. So you just have lift access. Yeah, so I was like sitting there in the dark, freaking out, thinking somebody's either going to like strangle me in any minute. And thinking, you know, even if I do get out of here, I'm going to have to wait for the elevator, which doesn't thrill me. And I'm thinking, and then I started thinking, you know, what if there's a fire? You know, this is where your mind goes when you're sitting in pitch blackness for an hour. Right? Mm. And so when, by the time we did get out of there, I was like, I can't stand in another little room, which is basically what an elevator is. Right? It's just one that's really tiny and goes up and down. Mm. And so we did find some stairs and they, they, they went to nowhere. Right? They did. Well, they, we we or... ended up in a very creepy place. I mean, I don't know how familiar you are with the Barbican Complex. But it can get quite creepy. So we ended up, okay, so we did find some stairs, but all of a sudden we found ourselves in the, like, where are we? You know, how do you end up in the middle of nowhere, you know, when, and nobody was around and it got quite creepy. So all this kind of creepiness, I think Beckett was maybe haunting us. Absolutely. I think he would have approved of that particular setting for his production. Yes, it, it did get all very existential. So we ended up with nowhere, nobody and no, no one around. And so we didn't hear any banter whatsoever. Did you hear the wind? We did hear the wind to Dookie because it's in the middle of the city, isn't it? So there's all these tall buildings around. And the wind does come whistling around the corners of the buildings. And I'm just glad that we ended up because it was Thursday night, you know, and that's the new Friday. So we did finally end up where all the city people were, you know, and it was getting to be that time of night where they'd all had like enough booze. Like, you know, the accountant is all, you know, they're they're hooking up with the secretary. Right. As you do. You know, the, the woman from Human Resources is all of a sudden start to be inappropriate with her boss. And she's smoking even though she never smokes, right? And right. she's only smoking because the boss smokes. Oh, That's, dear. You know, that was the most interesting thing I saw that night. And I got an overheard out of it, too, which is pretty good. Talking of which. Talking of which. Here is Overheard.
new Friday because there was a bunch of, uh, you know, everybody's out partying. Yeah, all these city workers, city types in their suits out, you know, getting getting sloshed, basically. And uh, on the tube, we ended up in a carriage full of them. And, you know, it was one of those where, you know, these people are going to be hooking up with each other pretty soon. And, uh... Yeah, I'm thinking Friday morning is going to be a little awkward in the office. Uh, So they were all in hysterics, hysterical laughter when we got on board. And uh, it was pretty soon afterwards that I heard one of the guys say, uh, So he told me that two or three times a year, you're going to have to talk to them about their smells. And the smells police will wear special hats. So, Dookie, what is that? uh, What is that about? I don't. I don't get it. Perhaps they work in an environment where particularly with the weather becoming slightly warmer. Nasty nifts make their appearances oh, Duke, you don't on say a bit nifth. more regularly. and Please don't say nifth. Nasty odours. Dookie, you British people, whom I love dearly. Pong. You, yeah, you have, uh, you and I have talked about this before. You, the British people who I love dearly, have many, many, many different words for smells. Possibly more than the, us Americans have. I don't know, Marcia, if you've heard all of them. Yeah, well, what is Nif? What did you just say? Nif? Nif Pong is another one. Oh, Dookie, I can't stand that. I can't stand... What? Don't you have others? Pong? What is that? Pong? The Pong there from that just, chap is fucking staggering. There's just something about those words that just send me all overcome with the heebie-jeebies. Yeah, anyway, so what... Yeah, those are kind of weird words. Um, Yeah, maybe. I mean, I got the idea that it was people he was managing. Mm. But who were the smells police and why would they wear funny hats? You know what I mean? I think he was possibly incorporating some humor with regards to the fact that maybe some of his minions would have to, well deliver the news who works in the city who has to put up with smells you know don't don't you get paid six figures a year and uh, you know the worst smell you got is somebody's overloaded a little bit on the cologne next door you know what i mean somebody's gone a little nutty on the paco raban that's that's the only one i think that you should have to put up with how you very know. 1980s of you i wonder yeah i guess so. in yeah. a lot of these offices they are open plan and the weather is getting warmer. Getting from point A to point B on the tube can be 
quite a yeah a sweaty experience to say the least they didn't look like they worked with homeless people because oftentimes i work with people who work with homeless people so i do hear a lot about you know having to have that delicate conversation with somebody who's homeless but might be looking for work having to have that quite delicate conversation with that person about taking care of certain bodily odors is quite a delicate conversation indeed and this is where the smells police come into it. And perhaps there's Maybe. one person that was having uh, a whinge about the situation or announcing the smells police. Perhaps uh, they were referring to the fact that middle management service managers would have to deliver the news that Jake in acquisitions is <laughs> going to have to have a, a severe talking to because... You know, maybe it's due to nerves. Maybe it's due to poor hygiene. Yeah, two or three times a year. I mean, God, get yourself together, people. You're mm. working in the city. You get me? Like, uh, you know, listen, you and Sylv, if, if, if there's ever a problem with me in that arena, will you please let me know? Because otherwise, I'm going to have to kill myself. Don't kill yourself. Yeah, all right. I will, but only if you tell me if there's a problem. But just apply some perfume, maybe? Yeah, I'm, I'm going to go put some Joe Malone on. Yeah, you're, you're smelling a bit off. I ain't over-shaving in that fake, but I'm thinking of freezing me eggs now, isn't I? Boy. For many people, the humble Volvo estate car, or station wagon, as it's known in other parts of the world, is the ultimate suburban family vehicle. An ideal means to get a family with two kids and a Labrador from point A to point B. My own Volvo 850 SE estate car, however, is very different. It's a rock and roll touring machine that's transported musicians and musical equipment to gigs across Europe. It's seen many venues and encountered even more smells. Now we're going to find out what smells in Dookie's car this week. Bonsoir. Here's a song about a man with a car and a big problem. Do you want to guess what smells in Dookie's car? of that whiff What is causing that nasty nip Investigating that funky pump in Dookie's car Yeah What stinks The weekend that has just come and gone saw the arrival of the National Day of Sweden and as a way of celebrating, I thought I should do something special with my Volvo on the 6th of June. To say the vehicle needed some TLC would be a huge understatement. It was dirty. Slutty Sue dirty. And decidedly whiffy as well. So I splurged out the British equivalent of 200 Svensk kroner and went to a local car valeting service in East London. Steel got waxed, glass 
got polished and dust, muck and grime got hoovered and removed. My ode to Swedish engineering is now sparkling, but an unfortunate legacy from my foray into car maintenance decadence remains, and as a result, my Volvo 850 SE estate now smells of a hybrid of toilet duck loo cleaner and little tree new car scent. I need to get some smelly musicians back into that bad boy ASAP. And now you know what cars at home in Oh, blimey, mate. Is you taking the piss with that smell or what? Please do not do the screamies. We are only here to explore the scintillating situations happening in your city. Sit back and enjoy. Welcome to Scintillating Situations in Your City with... Sylvia Silversmith. Hello, Sylvia. Hello, Dookie. Hello, Dookie listeners. What have you got in store for us this week? Dookie, I have fabulousness galore. I need fabulousness. I would like to embrace fabulousness. Tell me about the forthcoming fabulousness. Dookie, we need to be gearing up for Pride this year. Pride is around the corner. It is heaving ho towards us at an exponential rate. It is fabulousness itself, as you well know. And, Dookie, I'm just really looking forward to it this year. And it's on Saturday, the 27th of June. And, of course, there's the parade, right? Of course there's a parade. Absolutely. Which I believe starts at Baker Street. And But then there's even more fabulousness that goes on after the parade. And this year, I'm particularly interested in the cabaret stage. Now, Dookie, I'm sure that I've mentioned before that I am a drag queen. There is a drag queen in me just dying to come out. Yes. I want to come back in my next life as a drag queen. Yes. But, Dookie, sometimes I worry that all the really great drag queen names have been taken... Do you ever worry about that? It keeps me up at night, Sylvia. It doesn't Sylvia. really, because it genuinely does wake me in the night in that, oh my gosh, what are they going to do when they run out of amazing, amazing drag queen names? And just when I think that all the amazing drag queen names have been taken, this one comes along. So on the cabaret stage on the 27th of June during Pride, who do we have performing but Connie Lingus? Excellent. Right. I need to see Connie Lingus. And I'm sure that she is all kind of wonderful. But, you know, just because a lot of the great drag queen names like Connie Lingus have been taken doesn't mean there aren't amazing ones out there. Do you not want to go see Bambi Boo? Doesn't Bambi Boo sound wonderful? Uh, Yes. They're both very, very good. I was thinking Connie... Connie Lingus, that's a drag queen that will go down in history. Oh, Dookie, that is, see, you're so clever. I think she is indeed going to go down in history. And, Dookie, who doesn't... Now, the politically suspect, but still, I'm sure, fabulous, Margaret Thatcher, Queen of Soho? Hmm. Right. Does that not make you wonder? Does it not pique your curiosity? Margaret Thatcher... Queen of Soho. The one thing that I can assure you is that particular act will not be attractive to minors. 
That's very good. Very good indeed. Yes, that is very true. And, uh, you know, I think Margaret Thatcher, though she is now in her grave, I think she was, you know, she did have the makings of a drag queen. I'm not sure that she was best for drag queens' reputations all over, but she did indeed look like a drag queen. So I really want to see Margaret Thatcher, Queen of Soho. I want to see Ruby Wednesday. That's a fabulous name. Excellent, yeah. And I want to see Crystal Lubricant. Crystal Crystal Lubricant. Lubricant. That sounds fabulous. And there's also Heels of Glory, a drag action musical. Dookie, we are so there, are we not? If only for Connie, Connie Lingus, oh, rather. Only for Connie Lingus and Vanity Von Glow and Bambi Boo. And uh, just it just sounds a fabulousness to me. Pie the Mime. That's a very unusual cabaret name for the LGBTQ community. True. Pie the Mime. Right. Pie the Mime. Pie spelt like the mathematical symbol. Right. So not like pie the food Ooh, stuff. Oh, very clever. Yes, I'm sure I'm sure she is very clever. I'm sure she can belt out a good number. I, uh, but Dookie, six. see, I think there's a drag queen in you dying to come out, is there uh, not? Most definitely, yes. So Dookie, are we not looking forward to Pride on the 27th of Bring June? Bring it on, I'm Fab- there. Fabulous. See, I've been spending a lot of time inside lately because i am it's now time to come out sylvia it's rather time for me to come out i do spend a lot of time inside because i i am indeed a homebody and i just you know sometimes you just need to get out sometimes you can just read too many interviews with joey essex yes are you familiar with joey essex in all his glory in a way joey essex helped to shape the theme of this week's show. Oh, well, that's very handy, isn't it? You see, Bend It Like Beckett. Yes. In a way, that very title and the chat we were having earlier is about the fact that in wanting to embrace culture, in wanting to better one's horizons... Yes, like I'm trying to make myself smarter. Yes. Yes. With varying degrees of success, yes. yes. In wanting to do these things, yes. you've had to embrace challenging theatre. You've had to take in the glories of Samuel Beckett in total darkness and possibly risking not only your life, Sylvia, yes. but the life of your dear flatmate, Marsha MacDonald. Yes, absolutely. And in a way, you've bent the way that you normally do things. You know how some people go down the road less travelled? Yes. You've been going down the uncomfortable road. Yes, but Dookie, I don't always, because there is always Joey Essex. I mean, there's always television. And let's face it, not all of television is BBC for, you know, worthy documentaries on the World War II. True, but but back to to Joey Essex, though. Yes. I was reading an interview with him in... In the local rag. Okay. And it turns out... Yes. He embraces difficulty in order to achieve betterment. Does he? In this particular case, the betterment involves improved aesthetics. Let me explain. He's very keen on how he looks. Absolutely. Yes. He buys shoes deliberately two sizes smaller 
than he should normally wear. And do you know why? Why? It's so that the shoes will not crease. Oh, we thought what makes them crease. The oh, I never thought about yes. that. That's terrible because uh, for me, foot comfort is everything. Foot comfort is my life. I mean, I do wear heels for work, but it, they are on at the last minute before my clients walk in the room, and they are off at the first second that people start walking out of the room. Not for Joey Essex. So, in a way... Oh, my words. In a way... That is very vain. What Joey Essex does with his footwear... Yes. ...is what you and Marsha have done with Samuel Beckett. Well, Dookie, bless your heart. And I think that we need to explain who Joey Essex is for our non-UK, non-lowbrow listeners. So, Joey Essex was on a reality show called The Only Way is Essex. He's a bit like the British version of the situation. He is like the situation in, uh, what was that show called? Jersey Store. That's right. Which is not a good word for me. Um, so, and he is like him, where it's all like, you know, okay, so he's not Italian. He's he's like a Caucasian guy. So he's not, he wouldn't go around as a Guido. But he, and I use that Guido term not to be disparaging, that's what they call themselves. Um, and he is just that same really vain and person and very vacuous person. But he seems really sweet. And I mean vacuous not to be disparaging either, even though it sounds like it. Because I've read interview, I have seen him interviewed and I thought, what a lovely young man. He seems very sweet. His teeth might be a little bit too white for me, but he seems like a very nice young man. Blinded by the bright lights of his gnashes. And he's made a lot on not being the sharpest tool in the shed, as you Brits say. A bit like the situation. So, yeah. So, and, you know, I can say that because he's built a whole career on it. And I think he's, you know, he's okay with it. He's very pretty. And I think he's more worried about whether his shoes are creased or not. The only way is Joey Essex. So, Dookie, yes, I haven't actually watched uh, Towie, or The Only Way is Essex. I haven't watched that, but I am quite addicted to my 600-pound life, as you know, because you and I text each other every Sunday night when we watch it, and that's just what we do. It's and our I thing. I wouldn't necessarily call that a stretch for the brain. It's a stretch for the skin. It's a stretch for the skin, and God bless those people. So, Dookie, how did we get talking about this? I don't know, but I, I am thinking about that I need to get out more. And I am trying to stretch my brain, and I'm reading about art lately. But also, Dookie, so we've also been in London a lot lately. And I think that we need to go somewhere else, because we haven't been somewhere else in a while. And where are we going, Dookie? We're going to Lisbon. Portugal. Portugal. So, Dookie, why are we going there? Sardines. Sardines? Sardines. Is there a sardine festival taking place in Lisbon? Dookie, there is a sardine festival. How did you know? It is in June, and it's actually the Feast of St. Anthony. And it's the 12th through the 14th of June. And the level of participation is two, which is quite a low level of participation. All you have to do is snack on sardines. And why do we do this? Well, the saying goes that St. Anthony was a missionary and he got really depressed that while he was going around the town giving sermons that he got really depressed that nobody was listening to him. So he went down to the water 
and he started preaching to the fish. And as he was preaching, all these sardines rose out of the water, just overcome by his words and bowing their heads in supplication, listening to him. That's what happened. And the townsfolk who saw this and witnessed this, they all came to see what was happening and saw all the sardines listening to him in rapt attention. And so they started listening too. And that's how he became Saint Anthony. And that's why they celebrate this day with sardines. He may be my new favorite saint. Isn't that fabulous that you just think none of these people are... Because that's what I do for a living. I talk to people. And wouldn't it be... Sometimes I have groups that don't want to listen to me. So sometimes I think, oh, well, what I'll just do is like go to the zoo or something and talk to the animals. And they might really want to be interested in what I say. Wouldn't that be great? I think I'm going to do... I think even though I don't, you know, I'm not necessarily a religious person, I might take him as my saint. Absolutely, yes. So if nobody wants to listen to me, I'm going to go talk to the fish and the animals. St. Anthony. So what happens... The patron saint for Sylvia. So for some reason, this day is also about finding a loved one. It's also about... What I mean by that is a love match, I should say. So this is where all the single women... Uh, they start talking to matchmakers about finding a love match, if that's what they're looking for. And one of the traditions is that if I'm a young single person, what I'll do is fill my mouth with water until somebody mentions the name of a man. And then that name of the man might be the man that I'm going to marry. Right. And they also put, like, they, um, they, they put... Basil plants? How do you say it? Basil Basil. plants? You say basil plants. Mm. They put basil plants out on the balconies as well, containing love poems. So, hang on. May I rewind there a bit? So, women extol the virtues of their love for a certain man by proving they can spit or expectorate. Well, no. They're imploring to St. Anthony to find them a worthy husband. Ah. So to go about doing this, a young woman might fill her mouth with water until she hears a name, a man's name mentioned. And I guess that's then going to be the name of her husband. Or she might write her the name of a person down on a piece of paper, roll up that piece of paper and place it in a bowl of water under her bed. And in the morning, if the piece of paper is kind of unfurled, then that mostly indicates the lucky man that who she's going to bag to use modern right. I think you could be quite tactical by using a popular name. Jesus, for instance. Yes, Jesus might be good, or Manuel maybe might mm. be good. I presume that might be a popular name in Lisbon. And then there's something to do with basil plants and containing love poems. So all over the... If, if and when we go, we'll see basil plants all over the balconies of the city and... They'll all have love poems in them with paper carnations, with messages of affection either for St. Anthony himself or for the person that you're wishing to hook up with. Again, to use modern parlance. Are sardines seen in the Portuguese culture as being an aphrodisiac by any chance? I highly doubt it. I wouldn't have thought so. From my information, it says nothing about that. It just says that they eat a lot of sardines because of the historical story. But can you imagine sardines being an aphrodisiac? 
No. Can I just butt in here? Yes, Marsha. I think the only reason that oysters are an aphrodisiac, A, because, you know, they have zinc in them, and that's supposed to be good for the, you know, stuff. And you swallow them, right? Yes. If you're chomping down on a piece of fish, you know, that might have a, you know, and here I I just want to try to use one of these words for the first time in my life. It might have a, and forgive me, Sylvia, you might want to plug your ears. It might have, you ready? It might have a pong. Yes. Have I used that right? Uh, Beautifully, yes. Okay, so, yeah, I'm proud of myself. Um, That can't be good for hooking up, right? Unless you both are partaking, and maybe it's a way to be able to bond with each other. I think that I might stay away from the potential suitor who have been indulging in sardines for the afternoon. Mm. Do you not think, Dookie? I mean, do you want a woman rushing towards you who who has been indulging in sardines? No. I don't even think that St. Anthony would help you with that one. No. So as lovely a man as you are, and I just don't think so. Yeah, I'm thinking... You know, what else is an aphrodisiac? You know, s- stick with the... I don't know. You you get me hopped up on enough of vodka and I'm yours. You know, that's that's got to be better, surely. Hey, do you want some Spanish fly? You know what? Can I tell you a funny story that I heard this week? Hit me. My friend was telling me he has quite a colorful love life history. Hmm. He's older than us, and he has indeed indulged in a lot, a lot of hooking up in his time. Right, yes. So he has a lot of interesting experiences to share. And he told me the other day, apropos of nothing, he, well, no, actually, he said, Sylv, has this ever happened to you? Has this ever happened where you've been indulging in the act of lovemaking with someone and that said someone has started to upchuck. Right, mid-act. Mid-act. Right. And I had to say, no, that has never happened to me. Dear me, that's uh, that definitely would put the kibosh on the... You no, know, well, the thing is that I did have to ask, because he's he's very good. He's He doesn't mind me asking. I had to ask, you know, did that put the kibosh on it? And the scary answer was no. They carried on. Well, he carried on. Right. Dookie, I'm going to assume that that has never happened to your good self. No. Marcia, no. has that ever happened to you? Now, I can't say that it has, but um, yeah, that's pretty funny, though. I did laugh. It was very funny. So, you know, speaking of sardine, you know, thinking of things that can go wrong when you're in the act of either trying to seduce someone or having seduced them. So, in a way, this sardine festival also embraces the theme. Yes. Because, let's face it, sardines are not the most pleasant smelling of food items. No, absolutely. But for some people, this particular event is the epicenter of the future of their love life. So these poor women will endure spitting in public, smelly sardines left, right and centre in order to achieve a goal. 
they achieve a goal, and apparently it works because this um, sardine festival, they have been known to have mass marriages. Right. You know, one of those big ceremonies where loads and loads of people get married at once. So it, it, So what are you going along to Lisbon to do? You're going along to see, to eat sardines, if that's your thing, to watch loads of people indulging in sardines, to see basil plants with love poems on them, in on people's balconies and to witness young women doing all sorts of things to hear the name of their future beloved and to witness mass marriages what could be better dookie that's what we have we have pride on the 27th of june particularly you will if you're looking for me you're going to find me at the cabaret stage because that just sounds fabulous where connie lingus will be performing and then the 12th through the 14th of June, we should all be in Lisbon for the Feast of St. Anthony, or in other words, the Sardine Festival. Sylvia, it has been a slice of Connie Lingus watching, sardine swallowing, heaven, having you here on the Dukey Radio Show on scintillating situations in your city. Thank you, Dookie. Thank you, Dookie listeners. This has been Sylvia Silversmith reporting on scintillating situations in your city. Let's see what Slutty Sue is doing in her house. In her house. Let's see what Slutty Sue is doing in her house. In her house. Let's see what Slutty Sue is doing in her house. Are you done with those mugs? To a mere pedestrian or uninitiated local, Penge may appear to be an unremarkable suburb of London. Neither city nor country, neither posh nor destitute. But in this quiet enclave in the southeastern quarter of our nation's capital, is an Art Deco semi-detached house owned and occupied by a North American transplant to Blighty named Slutty Sue. She likes to clean. I popped into Slutty Sue's pristine abode and asked, Slutty Sue, what have you been up to? Well, I've mostly been getting ready to go to all the festivals this summer. I hope it rains loads so I can come back nice and dirty. Shut it down! Facebook Click on your mouse to our Facebook page Facebook Easy to find, it will not take an age. Facebook www.facebook.com forward slash the Dukey Radio Show, the Dukey Radio Show. The thin white Dukey is right. Click your way to the Dukey Radio Show Facebook page www.facebook.com forward slash the Dukey Radio Show. The Dukey Radio Show. The Dukey Radio Show. Well, that's your lot. Bend it like Beckett. 
Sometimes you need to subject yourself to challenges to obtain something special. Yes, it's cheesy. Deal with it. My name is Dukey and I've been your host. May the best of yesterday be the worst of tomorrow. Now I need to go and <coughs> pop my weasel. Thanks for listening. Half a pound of tuppenny rice, half a pound of treacle. That's the way the money goes. Pop goes the weasel. Me baby's got the bends. Oh no. We don't have any real friends. No, no, no. Oh. <laughs>